We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. Welcome to the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. This is Mean Lean from ArsenalVision.co.uk. My voice sounds a bit funky today because I am suffering with a massive dose of man flu. So apologies for that. So I'm going to keep this rather short. Um, in today's show, we've got Paul and Tim discussing the uh, 3-1 win. About to say 2-1 there. 3-1 win against Sunderland at the Emirates. Unfortunately, Elliot and James are not available this week. Some great conversation in this one. We'll be back after the Olympiacos game. So enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the Arsenal Vision podcast. I was going to record a clever and witty introduction, but this week the pod was me and Tim, and we got started nattering, and we never really stopped. So uh, there was there was blo- lots of good content. So I'm thinking we'll keep the intro really short and just get started. So here we are. Let's start with Welcome Tim. Welcome Tim. My pleasure to be here as always. Great. So uh yeah, two man gig today, so uh more talking time for you and me, which is always good. Yeah. Um, like the white stripes. Yeah, yeah, good one. <laughs> uh, good reference as they say. Um so I really struggled with this one, and I've struggled with a few of our games to work out what I thought of it. Um, I mm. guess we um, we would have all said the only thing that matters in this game is the result mm. uh, and getting three points. And I guess the other condition we would have put in on it was no injuries. But yeah. but as soon as you get a a win and no injuries, 
you know, there's a reason humans are this successful, the most successful species on the planet, because we're never satisfied. So as soon as we got that in the bag, we went on to all the things we didn't have or all the things we it, didn't like about the performance. Yeah. But, but I guess that's human nature. And, and it's basically us and the cockroaches as to which will be the most <laughs> successful species. So I think we've got to keep pushing here. We've got to keep our ambition levels going. Definitely. So, so We owe uh, it to human evolution. Yeah, exactly. So uh, on that basis, on the dissatisfaction basis, at a high level, how did you feel about the results at, at the end of the day? Well, I guess that's the other thing. The results overall were pretty darn good. But the result, yeah. the result for us on the day, what was your feeling at the end of it? It was, it was almost – well, I – the result was almost exactly what I expected, um, and this this is this is on record. I was on another podcast <laughs> earlier in the week, the Aston America one. I said I thought we'd win two nil, but the second goal would come with pretty much the last kick of the game. Wow! So the score wasn't quite right, but the margin and and the kind of whereabouts, uh, the whys and wherefores of it were fairly similar to what I expected. I thought it would be. A little bit of a struggle. Um, I thought Sunderland would put numbers behind the ball, which they did. It's not really a team that's, you know, there are a lot of partnerships in there that, you know, that have, you know, Flamini and Ramsey haven't really played together as a central midfield duo for probably over two years now, and that kind of showed. Although you know, neither of them as individuals were, you know, I thought Ramsey in particular had a very good game. Um, it, it kind of, I was expecting basically for Arsenal to look like they were lacking a bit of cohesion to be a little bit functional and for them to just rely on Ozil um, to kind of pull something out the bag. And and those things kind of happened. Um, I thought, you know, I, I, was, I liked the performance of Aaron Ramsey. I really want, I wrote about this last week, I really want Aaron Ramsey, you know, to step up now. He's got a real chance for the next few months to really become an even more important player in the team, um, a central player in the team in more than one sense of the word. And um, yeah, so it kind of went as I expected. The thing I didn't expect, actually, was for Sunderland to look like such a force on the counter-attack. Mm. Um, I was caught by surprise by that, and I think Arsenal were as well. And I think, as much as I don't like the guy, I think um, <laughs> some I, credit I has always to go associate to you. Yeah, I always associate <laughs> you with uh, Sam Allardyce. So for some reason, just a few comments, the tone of a few comments. I see you don't say yeah. that much about him, but I'm like, yeah, the sound about Tim. I wonder if <laughs> Sam knows who his nemesis really is. So, anyway. Yeah, he. But I think he um, he would have smelt blood. Um, I think what he'd have said to his players is, "What better time to come to the Emirates than this?" Mm. And he's right. There is yeah. there is absolutely there was no better time for any team to play us when we're really depleted, lacking a bit of confidence, got a big game in the week. Um, and there was a little bit of adventure. They were kind of playing with three forwards, um, mm. albeit it kind of moved from a 4-5-1. Um, but I was surprised at how willing they were to move to a 4-3-3 with the ball. And, it, was, um, it was very uh, continental of Sam, wasn't it? I mean, he had three centre-backs. He had flying yeah. wing-backs. I'm like, what? You know, four yeah, exactly. in midfield, like... And actually, they, they caught us in the first three minutes um, Barini yeah. went through. And if they'd had a better finisher, uh, maybe if Defoe had been on the end of that, it might have been a very different story. Thankfully, Barini is not a very good player and not a very good finisher. So, you know, I, and that clearly caught Nacho by surprise because it was him um, they got in behind. So 
there, there were elements of the game that I, you know, I wasn't expecting an entertaining game. I was expecting it to be a bit of a struggle, but for someone like Ozil or Ramsey to just pull it out the bag for us and for us to move on. But I felt defensively we had a slightly harder time than we perhaps should have. And actually Sunderland could easily have equalised when um, I think it was Van Arnold got in behind Bellerin. And, um, you know, if Sunderland had some better finishers in their team, we, yeah. we might have been in a bit of trouble. They had three um, actually, or four great chances over the course of the did. game. Um, and they, they did. They did everything well up till the finish from a counter-attacking yeah. standpoint. So, gulp. Yeah, and there's, there's, there's kind of, you know, I suppose... An, an irony in there that um, it was an own goal that actually got them their goal when mm-hmm. actually they produced quite a lot of good attacking play. It was actually one of our players that yeah. provided, um, you know, the, the lethal finish at the end. So yeah. I, I think there were positives. Um, you know, we got the win. We we pretty much deserved it. Although on another day, I, th- I think we played better against West Brom, for example, and mm-hmm. lost. Um, and, you know, had this been perhaps the reverse fixture at the stadium of light, you know, maybe it would have been slightly different, but at home we just, you know, we still just had a little bit too much for them. Yeah. Um, we didn't panic when the equaliser went in because I was quite concerned because that's three times in a row that we've gone, you know, we've gone ahead against fairly average teams and let them back in. But, you know, we, I felt we kept our, our hand in and our head in quite good. So it was, it was kind of, I, I was prepared just to take the result and no injuries and you know the results around us as well just show that you know for the criticism of Arsenal and and everything else you know like other clubs around us just aren't really setting the world alight either so you know all in all a a very good weekend and a a nice tee up for Wednesday night I think. Yeah it's for me it's just really hard to get a handle on everything at the moment the league Arsenal, for, for obvious reasons, we're in quite a state of transition, especially in the middle of the park. Each game, I mean, I don't know what to make of that game. Um, no. You pick up on an interesting point on the psychology. We score, you know, uh, Arsenal said, we scored an own goal before halftime, the worst thing that can happen, but still managed to win. Mm. So, I mean, amazingly... You can talk to the psychology of the team. You can you can even say the same about uh, Giroud. I remember Ars to Mouse made a a somewhat tongue in cheek comment about uh, the great thing about Giroud is you can be sure that uh, his his rugged mentality will handle the own goal really well. And, and he, he made this about thirty seconds before Giroud scored that absolute peach of a header down the other end. So I yeah. Mean, it, it, and, it, and I was it, yeah. Go ahead. I, I was thinking like what I was thinking about this earlier because I knew we'd come onto this, and I was thinking what a confusing player Giroud is because I don't know whether he's mentally weak or mentally strong. Yeah. Because on some on sometimes you think this is a very good player, but someone who just hasn't got that mentality that you'd want from a top class striker. But he does keep you know coming back from these setbacks, and and I, yeah. the, the conclusion I came to is that he's good at recovering from his own silly errors, <laughs> basically. <laughs> and, I, and I don't know, he makes trouble for himself, but then he's able to kind of circumnavigate out his way out of the trouble he gets himself into. A bit so like I, Arsenal. I, you know, yeah, yeah. So I don't know, does that make him mentally strong, mentally weak, or does it just all cancel each other out? 
Yeah, and I think it's I think that's right. I think it's both because and even when you think of Arson, he's always kind of building up Giroud as being very strong and coming back and stuff. But I always get the feeling that he's saying that to boost him. <laughs> yeah, in yeah, the media exactly. and to defend him. So but there has to be some truth to it because Arson will well most times there's an element to truth of to what Arson's saying. Um, yeah. Or he won't keep saying it because it'll yeah. he'll look stupid after a while. I mean, he does something similar with, with Joel Campbell at the, at the moment saying he's a great team guy. And he's a, yeah. yeah. So I think it's kind of like it's one of those where it's still in the balance where he thinks the guy has some team potential, but maybe he needs to focus even more on the team. Uh, yeah. Kind of see yeah, that yeah. almost. In the, so uh, I with uh, Giroud, I think both are true, just like it's true of Arsenal. We have this great resilience, but why do we keep needing all this resilience? Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, we keep exactly. dropping ourselves in it. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. So um, in terms of team, so the lineup wasn't too surprising, I guess. Um, no. uh, we had a front three of Campbell, Ox, and Giroud. Uh, yeah. And fairly early into the game, maybe halfway through the first half, uh, Arson swapped Ox and Campbell, which turned out to be quite fortuitous from the point of mm. view of the goal. Um, but it, it put Campbell onto the left side where Ox, you know, he struggled putting in a cross on his on his left foot early on in the game. Mm. That made you think, hmm, maybe he might be better off on the right, especially till he finds some form. He also tried to beat Jedlin uh, on the left side and ran it out over the byline. And yeah. And maybe that made sense from that standpoint, or did the manager see something else, something that led to that goal? Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe he um, he sensed, uh, you know, that the, the the right back was a bit more cumbersome and a bit more susceptible to a run in behind. And you know, you look at the goal, and I don't think Ox makes that run because Joel Campbell's, yeah. you know, a striker. He does make that run, and, and uh, I've been frustrated with Ox really because. Uh, just my own kind of lim- limited thinking on it. If I were Ox and struggling with form, you know, he does have the Theo run in him. When, when yeah. he put, we've seen it in the past. We haven't really seen it this season. But man, if I was struggling no. with form, I'd just try and become Theo part de for a while. and Exactly. And really try and get in behind them because he has the pace and the ability. You know, he's great at getting into the box and maybe taking a little tumble for a penalty, but we haven't seen that this year no no exactly well one thing he has got that's that's really very simple is he's got that kind of push and run yeah um aspect to his game and and like you say like walcott can be very frustrating and is still i think a fairly technically limited player but what he's what walcott is good at is knowing what his strengths are and playing to them and um chamberlain at the moment he just seems to be in a bit of a rut he's and lost, he's in yeah, he's and he's another one who, you see, I I understand why he hasn't really fitted into the team yet this season because I I think him and Alexis Sanchez in the same team is a problem, mm. um, and it's a problem for Chamberlain more than it is Alexis because Alexis is better and therefore it's not really an obstacle for him. But actually now Alexis is out, that's that's a big chance for Chamberlain because he can really be himself in this team. We do we need someone who. You know, might take a few risks with the ball, has a high risk, high reward kind of thing going on, and can take players on, and it it won't work every time, but it's only got to work once or twice, and he can really 
be himself. But yes, yesterday I thought I thought he was very very poor. Um, and I'm a huge fan of his, and I'm, yeah. I'm not a huge fan of Joel Campbell. But I thought Joel had yeah. a really really good game. Yeah. Um, I do think there's an element to which this might be his level, as it were. But nevertheless, mm. we're playing. We've got to play lots of teams of that level. Um, and if he can do a job, and he, he's, he looks like he's, you know, perhaps feels a bit more comfortable in the team. He senses that he's going to get more chances over the next few months, and maybe that makes a difference. But um, what what interested me, I'd be interested to get your thoughts on this. When I was on the Arsenal America podcast on a, on Wednesday, I was asked how we set up against Olympiacos, mm. and I said I think and I hope that Giroud and Walcott play, yeah. and that Walcott plays from plays from a wide position almost as a second striker basically and he did that for the last 25 minutes yesterday and I really thought and that's the first time Walcott's played on the wing since February um, when you know his defensive laps led to a Tottenham goal and uh, I, I really thought that was a rehearsal for Wednesday night what do you think? Um, yeah so I guess I suddenly, you know, Elliot's always asking the question, where are the goals coming from? And mm. I think we've all kind of struggled to come up with the answer. And yet suddenly it all became clear as soon as Theo and, and Giro were on the pitch at the same time as Ramsey and Ozil. Suddenly yeah. you didn't have the question where you were going to get the goals. You had the question... Uh, <laughs> Who's watching the the back door to some degree? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that quartet, you look at the first half of the 13-14 season when we kind of stormed to the top of the league, that was exactly where, those were exactly the players it was coming from. Yeah. So there is, you know, there is potential there. Yeah, you put those four t- players on the field and you don't wonder where your goals are coming from. You, you might wonder mm. plenty of other things, but you don't wonder that. So, and as you were talking about, you know, uh, Chamberlain's opportunity now that Alexis is injured, really my mind went straight to actually Walcott and Giroud's opportunity because you also kind of can't play. Maybe you can, but maybe this works a little better just because Walcott's a bit more mature. But the you can play... It, it's easier to play Walcott and Giroud with, say, uh, Campbell on the left wing Mm. Um, just because he's not quite as spilly with the ballie. Um, yeah. He's technically secure. Yeah, and maybe a bit more balanced even than Alexis can be. I mean, Alexis goes through different games. Some games he can be quite the liability when he's not scoring up the other end, uh, mm. dribbling, losing the ball. And I just think as much as, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm as we all know, I have a bit of a Theo fetish. Um, but the the one positive, nobody should see a positive in Alexis being out for a few games, but he needed mm. a rest. We were never going to rest him. Maybe this is yeah. God's way of resting Alexis at the time when Theo's just back. I thought it was interesting. Um, Wenger was asked about Theo and fitness uh, by one of the journalists with the implication being Theo looked really fit, which I thought he did, actually. I thought he looked full mm. of beans, as did, as did Ramsey, surprisingly, for a guy yeah. who played his first 90. I mean, he looked, uh, you know, he burst past. He, he didn't just look fit. He burst past a couple of people. Uh, yeah. And I don't want us to forget Monreal bursting past a couple of people for that, uh, for that goal. 
Um, yeah. Was that the the the, 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 the Giroud goal? Yeah. The Giroud goal because that actually set up. But anyway, in the in the mold of people bursting past me, I thought him, Theo and Ramsey looked surprisingly lively. Maybe not that mm. surprising, but they they did catch my eye, and uh, and when Wenger was asked about uh, Walcott. He almost answered it defensively, uh, almost as if he was talking about the Olympiacos game during the week. His mm. mind had jumped ahead to that, where he was saying, I'm not sure how if he was really fit enough to come on for that period today, but we did it. And I'm not sure how fit he is really. That was kind of the tone of it, as he kind mm. of debated kind of out loud whether Theo might be a potential starter for for uh, midweek or not. So I'll be interested to see what he does on that. I would love we we need we're probably going to need three goals. I think the chances yeah. at Olympia uh, you know, we saw Sunderland at home yesterday uh score well with our assistance score a goal, <laughs> but looking like yeah. they should have scored at least one themselves. We might need three or four goals. So we're yeah. we're going to need at least 30 minutes of Theo possibly you know, w- would he play him for ninety minutes? I don't know. It sounded like he he might struggle to even play him for seventy. But we're going to need some yeah. goals. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And this, um, I think it was a fairly useful rehearsal um, in that respect. Mm. And actually, um, something that kind of jumped into my head there when you mentioned Monreal's part in the second goal in in the state is something um, John, who I sit with, we, we always go on about when when teams come and you know park the bus at the Emirates and. We always, you know, think that basically either one or both of Chamberlain and Rosicki are two of our most useful players when mm. teams do that because they take them on and they move them around. And that was why I was fairly disappointed in Ox yesterday because, you know, that that's his thing and that's what you really need. Um, you know, someone who's prepared to burst past a, past a couple of players. And that's what Monreal did for the goal. He kind of, he just committed a couple of players moved them out of position, that gave Ramsey the space for the cross, that gave Giroud a bit of, you know, it just, it just took two or three defenders out of position and it was only a burst forward of about 10 yards. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I was looking at that and I was thinking, why isn't Chamberlain doing that, you know? Yeah. Um, because that's what you really, really need um, in games like that. Um, but actually, uh, on on the kind of substitution, I was pleased to see Walcott come on on the right for the last kind of half an hour or so because mm. I think he's definitely thinking of doing that on Wednesday. One thing I, I did find a bit odd um, when he brought Chambers on, I automatically assumed that Chambers would go into the centre and Ramsey would move out to the right. <laughs> um, and I thought when this sub happened, I thought, yeah, that makes sense. You know, he's trying to expose Chambers to this position and then he yeah. goes and plays him on the right wing. And it, actually, it was a I bit odd, we, the subs, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, we, we and brought I in. We really lost something when Giroud came off. We, you know, yeah. we were, we were like, what? Well, this is exactly what Giroud is built for. You know, we're going to come under a bit of pressure, and we want someone to hold the ball up. Walcott's already on, so yep. if you're thinking that they're going to come forward and leave some space, well, Walcott's already there. He's a sub. Keep them both on, you know. Yeah. And I, I thought. We really lost something, and I think it also kind of sends a message to the team to sit back and and take what you've got. And yeah. So yeah, I, I found which, the which is what we odd. didn't do. It, it was all very odd because um, 
you, we then had four fullbacks on. I believe he'd put yeah. out word to call back Carl Jenkinson from loan. He was wondering what <laughs> Armand Traore was up to. He was <laughs> Santos in Brazil. He, he, he had word out to you to find out what he was. I mean, move. He's Matt, in Switzerland. He's in Switzerland. Oh, oh that's yes. that's pretty close. Um, move Flamini. Flamini's played a bit right back and get Coquelin maybe on with with one decent leg on. You know, we could have played a two-two-two-two. We had so many bloody full-back <laughs> options, and just leave check down the middle. Um, but it was strange. We brought on all the full-backs, and yeah. we were pr- we were probably our poorest at controlling the game at that point. Yeah. Chambers was up into the penalty box. Uh, I think Gibbs did a pretty good get uh, job balancing his role, but but mm. it really didn't make any difference. We were all over the shop. I mean, it was very entertaining. You could see where our goals were coming from. You could also see where their, yeah. go, their goals yeah. were about to come from. So, again, almost a game within a game, once we did the T.O. swap and then a couple of full back swaps, I mean, you didn't know what you were looking at. And I don't know how instructive – there are parts of that are instructive, you know, looking at our, our front few. I think uh, – Giroud and Walcott had like 16 minutes or something together before they got subbed. And we looked very exciting. And, and Giroud looked like he'd had a few f- fresh coats of paint because he needs that. Mm. I mean, you know, I was ultra frustrated with him until he scored his goal. Uh, him yeah. scoring their goal di- didn't help. But besides that, I was very frustrated with him because he, he, he just doesn't, he doesn't excite me like that. And then you put yeah. somebody like Walcott on. And it all starts to make sense again. Yeah, yeah, precisely. And um, I mean, what did you... It's really, really rare that I could get any kind of 4G reception inside the stadium, particularly mm. at half time. But I did yesterday. And, um, you know, um, anyone who's kind of followed me on Twitter for any amount of time will know that probably my biggest bugbear in football is one-footed players. It really, mm. really winds me up. <laughs> probably a lot more than it should I think I think um you know I let it wind me up and so when Giroud puts the ball into his own net when yeah. you know a swipe you know we're one minute away from half time we're one nil down we've conceded a set piece swipe it with your right foot doesn't matter if you know it's a good connection or not it just has to leave the penalty area that's all even if you screw it out for a corner or something and, um, I, you know, pl- I think players tell you a lot in little moments like this. And I got so frustrated, not just because of the lack of technique for a Premier League footballer to not be able to... He doesn't even have to aim for anything. He just has to swipe his foot yeah. and wallop it. Um, you know, he's, there's no finesse needed here. Yeah. And he didn't, he didn't trust himself to do yeah. it. And actually what, you know, I mean, obviously he didn't mean to score an own goal. He got a poor connection on it. Yeah. Um, and actually, you know, you look back, he'd been dumped into trouble by Chamberlain, who yep. I don't know if you've seen the goal again. I don't know what he's doing. He just completely there, stands There's still. three of them. There's Now, it, it, Ch- Chamberlain's the most egregious because he's closest to it. You would. Yeah. The other thing I would do in my if I were Chamberlain thing is I would be so freaking on my defensive duties given yeah. where I'd been this season. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so he's standing there scratching his head when when the ball... It, it was it was a really dangerously put-in ball, but why 
why, why don't we have a guy pressing that that channel the ball comes into? Because it's, I mean, it was yeah. kind of obvious, and it's and it's hurt us time and time again. Uh, but yeah. it, it was Chamberlain, it was Ozil, and Ramsey. Uh, uh, who were all standing there scratching their heads. Now, Chamberlain was by far the closest to the seam of the crime, so he gets, you know, we'll give him 80% of the... Yeah, uh, but of, you're right, Ozil was there too. Yeah. Now, you, you know, you kind of give Ozil a bit of a pass because maybe somebody needs to scratch their head at the front of the penalty box in case the ball, you know, does something. Well, he's there for the counter-attack, isn't yeah. he? He's yeah. there if it breaks loose. Yeah, that's his excuse. And, and Ramsey... You know, he was a little... But Chamberlain, my God, man. D- uh, just for the sake of not looking stupid, run with your yeah. man. Uh, and just, even if you don't quite yeah. get... Because the thing is, I can understand... Yeah, yeah. I, I can understand when play is developing and the ball's moving and you're looking, you know, your, your eyes are darting around. I can understand why you switch off. Yeah. But when it's a free kick and it's a free kick with half... You know, literally all you've got to do is go, right... This is, you know, this is a defensive situation. I yeah. have to really switch on here. Like, I, I can kind of understand it in open play, but when it's a free kick, like how, like how quickly do you turn off that? Yeah, that you let that happen. It's, it's amazing. It's, I mean, hold a guy's shirt, not not necessarily like hold him back, but at least that way you're staying in touch with his movement. You might let it yeah. go immediately, but it means when he goes, you know, you got to go. I mean, bump yeah. up against him, something. Not not trying to give a foul away, but just so you're in touch with what the fuck your man is doing, so you don't look stupid. Anyway, yeah. but, but back to your main point on Giroud and and the wrong footedness, you know, going with his left foot. It, it seems we've had. Uh, I'd lump in a few other things we do where, you know, uh, Ox came out uh, in one of the Champions League games. You'll remember, uh, mm. uh, he jogs out. And his body shape's kind of turned a bit, and it comes off him and goes in own goal deflection. We've yeah, had a lot a of grip. these, yeah. Um, so we've had, to me, we've had a lot of those. We had the West Chambers, Ham, Tottenham, yeah, the West Ham game at the start where Koscielny's body position. You know, you see a lot of this where if the guy sets upright or the guy uses the correct foot, ninety-nine times out of a hundred, the ball will deflect safely away. And if you set yourself up wrong, horrible things happen. And mm. it's kind of a basics thing, like swinging at the ball with your wrong foot. You know, one out of two times is going to go somewhere really ugly and you have no yeah. control. Whereas even if you miss hit it with the, with the correct foot, even if you have no idea where the ball is coming, but your body shape is right as a defender... You know, how many times yeah. has Terry blocked a shot when he has no fecking idea where the ball's going because he's got yeah. his body shapes right? And if you get your body shape wrong, half the time the fucking thing's going in the back of your net. And th- that to me was very much the, the Giroud thing. It was set up to be a, a travesty of justice. Absolutely. And, and the other thing, you know, like I said, players show you a lot in these little moments. They don't have a lot of time to think. And obviously he showed you that he doesn't think he can do even something very basic with his right foot. Yeah. But the other thing was, and he's hitting that with his left foot, he doesn't mean to lob his own goalkeeper and for it to go in. There's an element of misfortune there. But he does mean to put that out for a corner. Yeah. And that meant that in the last minute of the half, he would rather put his t- or like you know send the ball back to the goalkeeper basically he'd rather put his own teammates under pressure again 
than you know risk yeah. looking a bit silly and just waving his right foot at it and getting it away from the goal and that's you know that if, if I was a teammate of his I'd say that to him at half time I'd say yeah. look I know you didn't mean to score the own goal but you did mean to put that out for a corner and that means that we've got to you know we're under pressure again we're in danger and you're just creating unnecessary stress just for the sake of not feeling a bit silly um well I bet you feel fucking silly now yeah. <laughs> having put it in your own net but that's you know that, that it's, it's a little thing and I, I perhaps focus on it too much but it it just really really reveals something to me and something that I'm a bit uncomfortable with um yeah. but anyway having having agonized over the goal we conceded I feel like we should talk a bit more about the goals we actually scored oh yeah because <laughs> um because th- there was there were some very nice goals in there I, you know the third one I think really Sunderland were were pushing on and we had players in the box and you know I said I was surprised that Ramsey didn't go back out to the right but I guess as much as you want Chambers to get used to defensive midfield you probably want Ramsey to get back into the swing of playing in the centre and and you know he was fully justified because in the end the cross comes from Chambers for the right and Ramsey's in the centre to put it in so you know that that substitution I think is vindicated on that basis and I think that's really good for Ramsey's confidence he's got his first game back in central midfield for a few months he's really stepped up he's really played well and now he's got his goal as well and something about Aaron Ramsey um he's um he's a bursty player uh mm. in front of goal he he tends to score once he gets one he gets the taste for it usually and uh unfortunately last time he got injured straight after the Watford game um yeah. so basically in his last two Premier League starts no he started against Norwich didn't he so he's got two and three starts, basically, and that that bodes very well for us. And I think I think he was a player yesterday who really stepped up and took charge. And uh, I I hope that's a really good sign. Yeah. So, um, the Ramsey thing. Um, I, I again I struggled that with that a little bit when I watched it. My classic. I watched it the first time conversation. I didn't mm. quite catch how good he had been. Um, mm. I caught a bit more about, you know, he was a bit rough. Um, he, uh, his passing at times, you know, he made a few, and that was kind of what caught my eye. Maybe it's just the difference between him when he's fully bedded in yeah. and, and, and early on caught my eye too much, and I missed just how good he was. I mean, he was chabby-esque in terms of his involvement. I think he would 110 or 115 or 100, just shy of 120 passes he made. Mm. I was a bit surprised how dominant we were in the passing because to me they were quite in the game. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you look at where our passing was, you know, they didn't really pressurize our back four. Because normally when you have a lot of passes, then you'll see a lot between our two center backs or whatever. But that pretty much never happened because we never really mm. needed to play it between our center backs. All of our, all of our high passing combinations was our midfielders. It was yeah. from Ramsey to Ramsey, from Ozil to Ozil, from each mm. other, uh, from Bellerin and from Monreal. But basically Flamini... Uh, Ozil and Ramsey were playing it to each other all afternoon. That's what shows up in the passing mm. numbers. And instead of it being the highest passing combination being 18 or 20 passes between two players, it was like 32, 33 passes between, you know, Ozil to Ramsey or Flamini to Ramsey. 
and it was I hadn't caught quite how dominant we were in the passing. I mean, we were nearly three to one in total number of passes. In terms of completed passes, we were more than three to one. We had six hundred and something completed, and they'd less than two hundred. Mm. And that, especially when they had four in midfield for for part of the game when they were pushing their their fullbacks up, I was surprised. Again, I kind of felt like the numbers showed me a slightly different game to the one I saw. But overall, when I watched Ramsey, I thought it was really good. I thought uh, Ozil was really, really good. I'm surprised yeah. we weren't better as a team until until that second goal, until Walcott came on, and at least we looked really good going forward, if not so good going backwards. So mm. I, I'm still scratching my head on what I saw. Ramsey, I think, was great. Uh, his finishing was a little dodgy, but he got himself mm. into superb positions. Yeah, he ne- he nearly got that goal, didn't he? Straight after, um, was it straight after the Sunderland equaliser where he he just kind of hit the side netting, um, and that that was a superb position to take up, and also and it deserved the goal, to... didn't it? I mean, he hit, yeah, f- for the miss, he hit it. It wasn't the easiest position it looked like it was in from very from various poor angles yeah um, that you know he he had a couple of other good smacks which i thought were were well worthy and yeah he had a kind of a off the side of his foot toe pokey effort and then there was the one where he was through uh there was the ball over the top offside uh there was the offside where ozil maybe held onto it a second too long, which is most Ozil-like. Yeah. Uh, but there was also one over the top where he balletically toe-poked it from behind yeah. forward. And he might that, have been better to trap it and lay it that off. That one on TV, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But um, I think something fairly important to state with that chance is it was it was incredibly windy inside ah. the stadium. And that, that, that really had an effect on on the game, I think. And I think with that one... The ball caught up in the air. Basically, I think he was setting himself up for a volley, and then the ball just dropped a little bit behind him um, and got caught in the wind. There was also another one where I just watched the highlights back a few hours ago. And do you remember when kind of Flamini went forward and he did a back heel for Bellerin? And yeah, Bellerin's shot was blocked. If you watch that from behind, Ramsey is in a superb position yeah. on the edge of the box, absolutely screaming for the ball, um, and he goes mental when he doesn't get it. And yeah. you know had. Had Flamini had a little bit more kind of vision there, you know, Ramsey could have had a goal there. Certainly would have had an effort on goal. So, you know, the fact that he looked really hungry. Um, and the thing that I liked as well was that I, I thought he grew into the game. I thought he got better and better as it went on. But I really liked how he took responsibility, you know, when it was 1-1 and we really needed it. You know, he sets up Giroud's goal and he scores a goal, basically, when the game's tight, things are going against us a bit. Um, and that's what your big players do. And Ramsey, for the last few months, has been a big player, but he's been a kind of counterweight for other yeah. big players. But yeah. now, you know, Wenger, Wenger must be saying to him, you know, well, look, this is your big chance now because there's no Cazorla anymore. There's no Coquelin. You've become one of our most important players. Um, you know, you've shown you can do that before. Go and show it again. Yeah, I do wonder if we'll look back on this as the the time where we kind of lost Cazorla for too long and yep. it never really recovered for him, which would be tragic. 
Um, I agree. But the question is, who would, if it ends up being Ramsey in the middle, who will be his partner? And that's still not clear yeah. to me. Now, now just, uh, so Ramsey uh, had a little interview after the game. He says, I feel a lot more comfortable in midfield, duh, and it suits my game a yeah. lot better. Uh this is the bit I liked. I can time my runs into the box and get on the end of things because I'm always making the point he still gets to make his runs. But I get mm. it, I get that point that when you're running from midfield, you can time when and where a lot better than when you're stealing time from the wing. It's kind of like yep. a kid who's who's who did get to the party, but he arrived there late because he had to sneak out his bedroom window <laughs> and he has to get back before his father gets up at two in the morning <laughs> takes a piss and checks in his room so yeah he gets to the party but not really on his own terms and I, yeah exactly he has to wait his turn yeah basically and you saw that yesterday with the number of of runs and the quality of the runs and him getting to choose you know from the center he can choose where he runs to from the right he's got to scamper across and see where he can get to within the allotted time before the kind of the siren goes and he needs to get his arse back over there. So I thought mm. that was an interesting reflection, kind of a counter to my general thing, that he still gets to make plot, lots of runs. But I think we really saw yesterday him taking full advantage of it. So I- here's my question. Um, if you see mileage in uh, looking at yesterday in particular, of that front five or six, if we if we say the front six of Flamini mm. Ramsey in the middle, uh, Ozil obviously ahead, and you got say Campbell, Walcott, and Giroud till Alexis gets back. Mm. Um, how do you f- do? You think that can work going forward? I think the answer is yes. And going backwards and against the big teams, do you think there's enough there that we can be solid? defensively um it's not ideal um i i don't think it's ideal uh, and i think that's 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 just a symptom of the the quality deficit you know you lose quality players then ones that aren't quite as good come in and i i think that's really the main point i think that's um it, it, there are questions for Arsene Wenger as to how he balances this team at the moment. And again, I, I, I wrote about this um, last week that there's all of our kind of controlling players um, with the ball, the likes of Ruzitsky, Arteta, um, Kazola, even Welbeck, who rarely mm-hmm. wastes a pass. Um, these guys that kind of control the ebb and flow of a the game, they're all gone. And what we're left with is a load of guys, you know, kind of foot on the accelerator sorts and and I I think it can work going forward for that reason I would expect Arsenal to be a little bit um, not quite schizophrenic I think that's overstating it but I would expect Arsenal within you know um, within a period of a game I would expect 20 minutes where we're very exciting we're on the front foot and we've got the momentum and then I'd expect 20 minutes where it looks a bit a bit rocky. Um, I, th- I think we're just lacking, you know, that kind of calming influence in the team. Um, we've got it going forward in Ozil. Um, yeah. I think there's a big possibility at the moment that, that Joel Campbell could be ahead of Chamberlain in the pecking order, just because yeah. he brings a bit of that serenity and that balance, whether he's got the chops for Man City and the likes I don't really know. But then again, Man City's defending this season. 
you know, doesn't look particularly frightening. So yeah. you never know. I, I think going forward, um, most of the time it will be enough. Um, going backwards, I'm not so sure. And the thing is about Ramsey in midfield as well is really he needs to play next to, you know, if Arteta had legs, that would be great, but, yeah. but he doesn't really. He needs to play next to that kind of player, I think, in the yeah. midfield to, to make it really work. And I really wonder if that will have a bearing on on, on January um, at all. And it, it looks like, you know, there are noises about... Because the thing is, I you know, I, I think he's wanted a player in that position for a little while, but nobody he's pulled the trigger on. I think they've obviously been scouting very heavily. Um, whether, you know, Wenger kind of thinks, well, I've been scouting this player for a little while and I need someone, so I'm just going to pull the trigger on it. And I know there's kind of um, reports of this young lad from Porto who I think fits into that Never. that kind of description. Yeah, that's right, um, who fits that kind of description. So, you know, I wonder if he'll go for that player that balances that midfield a little bit more, mm. gives it a little bit more, um, a bit more calmness and serenity um, because, yeah, Ramsey Flamini does worry me a little bit yeah. um, defensively. Flamini did um, pretty well, though, didn't he? He I did mean, okay, yeah. It, it doesn't change that overall conversation. Flamini yeah. is still Flamini, and it yeah, doesn't, exactly. doesn't change the overall dynamic. But I thought he Flamini'd well yesterday, and, mm. and I can still sing 52, 52 undefeated. I won't because <laughs> it's just the two of us, and it'd get very awkward <laughs> if it's two people instead of three or four, which is just mostly <laughs> awkward. Uh, but anyway, he's still got his, his unbeaten run. I thought he did pretty good. Um, yeah. For Flamini, he had a couple, you know, there was that crossfield pass where you're like, Flamini, what the, you were doing so well. And he like <laughs> set up a delicious counterattack, which they didn't take advantage of. But And he had a couple of other moments. But he was mostly quite the responsible adult. Um, yeah. Yeah, what was he doing up there in the box, backheeling to Bellerin? I'm not sure, but I'm sure he had good reasons for being there. Overall, yeah. he was in fairness. Re- he yeah. he it was because he won the ball back. Ah, okay. Um, in man. in fairness, he he went and you know kind of did his destructive job and then just you know carried on into the box. But yeah, he yeah, he was it, still. It, it was in his own free speaking. time, really. He's free to do what yeah. he likes. So he he'd won the ball back, and yeah, okay, that's fair enough. So, um, so we're. We're, we got this front six, maybe, that could be ours, good to go for a while till Sanchez gets back. If if we like the the Campbell, Giroud, Walcott, seems to give us a reasonable amount of balance. Um, mm. oh, I get this feeling at the moment, and I'm going to say this like it's like some kind of breakthrough, but I think everybody is seeing this at the moment. We're watching possibly his the best season of his career when he looks back on it. I mean, he might be better next year, but he might not. Things happen. I mean, he's, he's abso- to me, he's absolutely brilliant at the moment. And he, he, there's this quote, go- um, he just did a, a short interview, I guess, after the game. This season is the strongest season I have ever played. I am in a good mm. way, playing really well. I believe in myself. Uh, I, yeah. th- is there a little bit of you that says... Gosh, I hope he doesn't regret that he's having his best season ever at Arsenal, surrounded yeah. by. I mean, he likes Flamini, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Flamini, Campbell, Oxlade Chamberlain, 
Giroud. All good players. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's not Ronaldo. It's not Bale. It's no. not... Is there a little bit of you that sometimes feels bad and incredibly grateful? Maybe, maybe, but uh, certainly grateful. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I know Madrid have their kind of bonkers transfer policy, but ultimately it's, it's the same for Alexis. Um, they're at Arsenal because it's their level, uh, and I don't think it's any shame to say that. You know, it's, it's a very, very good level, yeah. but ultimately they were deemed dispensable because they're not quite the best player in the world in their position. Ozil getting there, um, certainly. And what I really like about him at the moment is, I, th- I think my issue with him, insofar as I'd call it an issue before this season, was whenever Arsenal were playing well, he always looked like the best player on the pitch to yep. me. But when we were when we were drawing or maybe losing, I, I thought that yeah. you know he he didn't in you know, impose his quality, yeah. uh, not so much his personality, but his quality on games. And I think he's really doing that now. He's, he's become making a, man, a difference. Hasn't he? Yeah, he, he he looks like he's really found his way in the team. That he knows how it works now. Um, that he's responsible, um, and he's just in, he's just in such fabulous form. Um, he's playing you know, well of, every game, no matter how shit yeah. we are, how poor yeah. our performance is. Uh, he's just doing stuff all the time and it's all working. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, he, he he's probably right in, I, you know, I haven't followed his career that closely before he came to Arsenal. Mm. I don't really watch La Liga. It doesn't really interest me. Um, but, you know, I, there's no reason that this should be the best it's ever going to be. Yeah. Um, he, the, the player of his quality, um, he should be having seasons like this all the time and better because he's coming to his prime now. He's in his mid twenties. He's still fairly young. Yeah. Um, you know, so I I hope that this this isn't just form. You know, I this is yeah. this is just what I want to see from him now because he's good enough. Yeah. And you know, he might be having the best season of his career, but I want next season to be exactly the same and better the season after that like this should be his level now almost his baseline level um and you know he knows that the team's pretty much built around him at the moment it definitely is because all other players are injured but it was anyway yeah um and the partnership between him and alexis i think was becoming really exciting and i think that can develop um even more and you know hopefully reach the level of something like Omri and pires um the way those two just vibed off of each other and they recognised the quality in each other. And they're both very, very, very different types of player. Um, you know, they're absolute opposites. But, you know, that, yeah. that's that's really, really exciting to have two players who bring such different qualities and, you know, they can blend them together a bit. Um, so, you know, this, Ozil's at Arsenal because that's that's his level. Um at the moment and and to the be form fair he's showing at the moment is you know Barcelona Bayern Munich level but you know let's 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 keep that going uh, that yeah. doesn't just have to be a good period of form yeah and to be fair you know I I presented one side of the coin the other side of the coin is on a good day he's got Alexis ahead of him he's got Monreal behind him he's got Cazorla to one side who he re- rated in his best 11 he's ever played with yep. 
He's got right, Walcott so. coming in from one side. Uh, with uh, He's got Ramsey on the field. I don't know how I'm getting this formation together. Anyway, <laughs> uh, you know, you put all those it's players... It's all gone Garth Crooks. Yeah. <laughs> and and if you put Giroud in the middle of all of that, Giroud's a really good player with, with yeah. those players around him. So on a good day, yeah, you know, that's a, that's the right place for... Uh, and to be fair, this is a team that's built around him now in large yep. part with a manager who sets the whole rhythm and flow of the game to making it tick for him. So, you know, the other yeah. side of it is fr- from a, a personal satisfaction and a development of his game, there's probably nowhere better suited to it being about him. Uh, Absolutely. And, and no extent- better manager. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there you are. I was having my yeah. my Elliot deep pit of despair <laughs> moment, but I pulled back from the edge into <laughs> fall into a rosy bed of flowers. Absolutely, and and you know, here's the kind of other point: he's got all these assists this season, which is wonderful. Um, but that's because the guys are putting them in the back of the net, yeah, as well. And not not every single one of those assists has been absolutely yeah. here. It is on a plate, open goal, five yards out. You know, you look at Palace, for example. The Giroud goal, wonderful, wonderful goal, great cross, but not easy. That's a fabulous finish from Giroud. Um, you know, really underrated goal, I think, um, that we've probably the best we've scored this season. And, uh, you know, the, he's he's getting the plaudits for all of these assists because, you know, the guys are making the runs and sticking them in the net. So they're, you know, and that's what he wants. He wants runners. He wants guys that are going to get on the end of things. And he's got that. Um, and he, he's still got it now, even with the players that we have injured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, speaking of that, so you look at December, horrible November behind us. Wonderful mm. December has started. We've actually won again. <laughs> um, we got uh, we got Man City on like the nineteenth or the twenty first. You'll know best. Uh, yeah, a run of games. We, of course, we got Olympiacos. Um, you got to always couch this in assuming no injuries, which is the stupidest <laughs> yeah. thing anybody has ever said who knows anything about our club. But but you got to assume no injuries because if we have injuries, we're just fucked as usual. And it's, it's back to, you know, Vic Akers not only being responsible for the kit, but bringing his own kit because we might need it. Yeah. Um, but if we keep this core together, particularly the front six, Mm. Um, how, what do you think our December looks like? Do you think we can scrape through still in and around the top of the leaderboard, hold our own Absolutely. and better against City, uh, get at least a draw, hopefully a win against City mm. at home, um, and have? And at what stage do we think the cavalry has really arrived? I mean, we're getting a few players back in January, but. It'll take them a yeah. while. You know, if you look at the Wilshire thing, um, even when he was fit, we were the manager and I were saying things like, and, and half the world were saying, you know, let him have a few games, a run. You know, he'd had six games. Well, he needs a run of eight, mm. the manager said, before he really starts to play. And, it, you know, Welbeck's been out a long time now. Mm. Um, at what stage... Uh, I, I guess the first question is December, and then at what stage... Do you think we'll have enough players back and bedded in uh, that we're the real Arsenal again? Um, well, I, I think I'm very much looking to 
kind of January. Um, and I, I think for a few reasons, I, I think a lot of it is about just getting through um, this month. And I, I think we've got enough to do that and certainly to stay in touch at the very least. Um, and then in January, if you look at, I mean, first of all, there's this kind of repeating pattern where Arsenal are a bit unconvincing for half a season and then they put yeah. a run together. Um, and actually, we've been a bit unconvincing um, this first half of the season. It's just so as everybody else. So if we can kind of get that, you know, in the second half, do our usual and go on a bit of a run, we're in with a massive, massive chance. The other thing I look at is, you know, parallels to last season. This time last season, we'd lost Ramsey, Ozil and Giroud, all injured. Um, so it's a fairly similar state of affairs. But then what happened was... Giroud and Ozil came back and they really, really refreshed the team. Yeah. Um, so Arsenal last year at kind of Christmas, New Year, just got through it. Um, and then Giroud and Ozil came back. They looked much better. They were much fitter. We were playing teams who weren't as fresh. And I really, really hope that that can happen for us this season. I really, really hope that p- players like Wilshere, even Rosicki, Welbeck can just refresh the squad and yeah, it will take them all a few games to kind of get back into it. But, you know, if we're looking at February, March and we're, you know, we're yeah. top or we're a couple of points off and we've got, you know, five, six players who don't have six, seven months of gruelling football behind them, I think that can make a massive, massive difference. And, yeah. um, you know, in February and March, the fixtures are, are, are kind of fairly all right for us. So, I, you know, I... I don't think December is going to be fantastic entertainment watching Arsenal. Yeah. Um, I don't think we're going to be walloping anyone 5-0 um, anytime soon. But we can just kind of get through it and stay in touch. And the, and the thing is that I, nobody I get, I, is convincing in this league. Nobody looks like they're going to pull away, no. even in the doomsday scenario where yeah. we do have a couple of dodgy results. So um, I'm, I'm still incredibly confident. Yeah, I, I can see us swapping teams 5-4. <laughs> Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> depending on, you know, depending on what our lineup is. But, I mean, if we've got, if we've had to resort to Walcott, Giro, Campbell, Ozil, Alexis, or sorry, Ozil, Ramsey, and Flamini, uh, that could be, uh, you know, we're going to face Villa and Bournemouth. Uh, I, I could see some goals in that. So it, it's going yeah. to be a really interesting December. Uh, I guess Alexis might be back back by City. I'm hoping that we don't feel the rush because the yeah. uh, Giroud-Walcott thing is starting to make some sense for us by then, and we're really yeah. clicking. And, you know, as I say, it's God's way of resting Alexis. Uh, you add that to the other players who are coming back. He's pretty fresh. Ramsey's pretty fresh. Um we can rotate with Giro a little bit when Alexis gets back, and we got uh, we got Walcott there. Like you say, you then start having having four or five or six players who are like a new signing in yep. January, February, and goes to my theory of LANS being like a new season <laughs> when you get four, you know, when yep. you get half a team back. So I saw really sk- to your point about where we are compared to last year. I think I saw Orbino tweet that we have the same number of points from the s- same fixtures team-wise yep. la- as we had last year. I guess that, you know, whichever team, home or away, if you take that same fixture as last year, we're, we're on the same track. Yep. I guess that's not all bad because 
uh, depending on when those fixtures fell, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, mm. we are the highest pointing team in 2015. So depending on the fixtures, that's not the worst comparison. But it it does kind of pull you up to, uh, you know, how good are we compared to last year? I mean, I feel we're a lot yeah. stronger as a team, but, you know, the league's different. And actually, if, if you use – and, and again, it's, there's a temptation to just think that last season is an absolute template. But actually, if you – um. If you look at this season compared to last, basically, it's pretty much the same, but you're taking Chelsea out of the equation. Mm. And if you look at it at the end of last season, we should have finished second. We should have finished above City. Sure. We just had a couple of dodgy home results against Swansea and Sunderland. Um, and, you know, we, we only finished a couple of points behind City in second. So actually, if you're looking at kind of history repeating a little bit and you take Chelsea out of that equation, that's Arsenal and City very close together for the last last few games and you know hopefully we wouldn't throw the title away by bollocksing up at home to teams like Swansea and Sunderland that would be incredibly frustrating yeah. but you know take take the bottom line out Chelsea out then you've got a close title race between Arsenal and City and and I think that's basically what's going to happen this season it will basically be those two teams there'll be some teams that I think we'll be fairly close behind in the chasing pack. But I do think in the new year, um, Arsenal and City will separate slightly. Liverpool are a bit of an unknown quantity. Um, depends how they're kind of, whether they can get on a bit of a run. Um, they look quite full of beans at the moment. But then again, you know, things change so quickly. They lost at home to Crystal Palace only mm. about three weeks ago. And yet now, like a couple of good wins has been enough to you know, really create this this sense of excitement around them. So it's 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 very, very peculiar. But I, I basically think, um, I definitely think Arsenal are, are in the title race for real. Yeah. Um, weirdly, and I don't think we've got anything to fear. Yeah, weirdly, with all this stuff going on, I have become more confident, probably because of the state of the overall league, than I was at the start of the season when we had all our... You know, yeah. I, I felt we were... We were a good shout at second. Uh, I thought one way or another we'd miss out on, on on winning it. I just thought City maybe had too much overall. Uh, yeah, they'd had a very strong summer, um, and it and they'd had a good last year statistically and and in terms of their overall play, they just hadn't been very consistent and and had given away w- way too many points. Well, fortunately, they've managed to keep that going and enhance it. Yeah. Um, so. I've started to personally think, yeah, th- this feels like this is going to be our year, weirdly, despite the fact we're we're busy getting injured, losing key players. We, <laughs> we clearly got to fix the DM thing, and I don't know what the yeah. answer is. I still have this feeling it's going to end up in some form of internal solution, rejigging, yeah. uh, and... F- because he won't find the player that makes it work for him in January. Because if a player w- was that good, who in the right mind would sell him in January? You know, I I just think. Yeah. And the Neves thing, interesting, but he's eighteen or nineteen. He'll need to settle in. It's a different country. You look yeah, at somebody yeah. like Gary. You know, all of those things uh, reasonably say that everything's going to be a massive compromise. Either way you look at it, and something's yeah. going something's going to happen. Somebody. You know, will it be Bielik comes from the 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 uh, or Callum Chambers or, Ca- or exactly or Callum Chambers something 
or do we rejig it a little bit? I don't know how we rejig our formation because we're pretty much set how we play with the players we do. So it's going to be a really interesting window. But if he can fix, to me, if he can fix that problem one way or another, it's ours. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, this thing I was discussing last week on the Austin America podcast, a, a lot of those, it seems quite a little bit pie in the sky that Callum Chambers is going to come in and, all of a sudden solve our problems and balance our team or that Joel Campbell is going to, you know, prove to be mm. um, a really effective forward player. But, uh, but both of those things are probably more likely than the emergence of the likes of Coquelin and Bellerin last year. Um, I don't think it's a fantastic leap to suggest that Aaron Ramsey can, you know, can be a brilliant central midfield player again. Um, that's, that's not a huge leap really. Um, and so I, I think in many ways last season, we were probably in a, a slightly darker position um, than we are now. Um, and and we, we pretty much sorted it. Um, not not completely and totally, but um, we got round it and we got on a good run. And if we can get on, I think a good run will be enough to win the league, basically, in, in the second half of the season. I think if either Arsenal or Man City can go through even a period of games of like 10 games without losing... I think it will be enough to make the difference. Yeah, and you you, you know you, you you take that step back and say why would we win it this year? On top of all of that, you have Peter Check. Yeah, which there's a guy who's been there, done it. Uh, somebody tweeted a quote from somebody saying that what Chelsea are actually missing this year is the stability that Peter Check brings in the dressing room. Which my first reaction was, well, that's a bit a bit fanciful. He was kind of on the way out and he's just one yeah. guy. But you then say, actually, that's probably the kind of shit that, that is the the tipping point between a, 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 a dressing room going in the right direction or, or a wrong yeah. direction. You listen to Peter Cech tell you what you need to be doing as a team to get your shit together. And we have that guy in our dress. Apart from his performances on the field, that's the guy we have in our dressing room. Yeah, it's really nice not to be thinking, I like this goalkeeper, but I think he might chuck one into his own net. <laughs> or he might or he might be pictured like, I don't know, smoking a bong with like a couple oh, of hookers Jesus. or something, you know. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or like... just smoke a cigarette, you know, something far less. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, how low, low, basic. What is the upside of smoking a cigarette 30 <laughs> minutes earlier than you can when you're driving your Porsche out of the parking lot? It makes no fun. Anyway, we won't go there. But yeah, I mean, um, but before I forget it, that classic moment yesterday with Montreal when he nodded it back to check and the look. At, oh, God. When he holds the hand up. Do you see the photo of him holding his hand up to his face with, oh, my God, what did I, I or you that almost was... do? That was one of those those moments when the whole stadium just went ah. It, it was really really amusing and like I I literally I you know I usually I tr I try to kind of, you know keep it together and whatnot in the stadium even when I'm nervous I internalize it all and it's gonna it's gonna be a fucking tumor one day because um, I try and suppress it all but at that moment I I, I just sunk my head into my hands. And I, was, I remember I, I shouted something like, you know, are you doing this deliberately? 
it's just it was just oh my god yeah yeah that was that was just that was a real fill your pants moment yeah and it's not <laughs> often you see a player react the way you do and you know no, as exactly. unprofessionally as i would in, that's the stupid dumb face i would have made if i had done that as a professional footballer it was just a, it was like i don't know whose fault it was i think it was a communication thing it was probably but now the other like absolutely terrible reaction. What the fuck is Joel Campbell doing rummaging around in his shorts for thirty <laughs> seconds? The moment after he scored what his second key yeah. goal for that guy should be streaking across the pitch, sliding into the Arsenal faithful, getting serenaded, not having sixty thousand people looking the other way because they're a little embarrassed about what the fuck is he fishing out of his shorts. That is yeah. The, what he's missing? These are the best moments of his career, and he's yeah, fishing exactly. around in his shorts. What is he doing? <laughs> yeah, that's that's it, it's a bit awkward. Like you know, do it once. And, yeah, you know, though you, you can even like mime that. I don't know. It's, it's obviously like for his family or whatever. But you know, yeah. it's just a bit like it's a little bit contrived. And you're right. It's like it's killing the moment. Do you know what I mean? Just like you Man, know, point you to your family, scored. do something. Yeah. And, like Santi Cazorla, he's got like a tattoo on his wrist for his wife yeah, and kids, kiss. and so yep. he always, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think Suarez do. does the same, and yeah, yeah. I understood um, it the yeah. first time, but it's like yeah, he's the one exactly. who misses out his goal. Everybody else is like, <laughs> and he's like lost in his shorts. Did you see? And, and everyone sat down by the time yeah, he's yeah. got it out. It's like, it's right, like okay. such a buzzkill. You just got the the go ahead goal, you dodo. Get out of your shorts. <laughs> Did you see the bit where he handed off Ozil? No, no, There's I don't think I did. He he scores a goal and he's like, I don't know if he's got the thing out of his shorts yet, but he's got his two arms stuck out wide, celebrating kind of Theo style after his goal. And Ozil runs towards him to give him a hug. And Campbell is so oblivious. He gives him a rugby, <laughs> a straight arm rugby handoff into the face of Ozil, who says, all right, fuck it then. And <laughs> wanders off in the other direction. As Ozil runs through the crowd of players again, or sorry, Campbell runs through the crowd of players again untouched because he's like, so for a team player, he's very Ronaldo when it comes to scoring the goals. Yeah, and I mean, ultimately, both of his Arsenal goals now have been kind of put on a plate for him by Mesut Ozil. Like, if yeah. anything, yeah. he should be running over to Ozil and, and kind of kissing his feet, really. Just, thank you for giving me my goals, you know. But, yeah, yeah I mean, it's a bit... It, it, I don't think there's any need for him to do that again. Now, he's a young fella, and I think, you know, he's come through a lot, and he's like, he's proved all the doubters wrong and the haters. I think he's at that age and phase in life, so I'm sure they all give him a pass. But, man, he's missing his own career. <laughs> you just, Yeah, exactly. I mean, imagine you score two goals for the Arsenal, your dream. Well, my dream, anyway. And uh, And then suddenly you are transported to another location for the next 30 seconds, miss out on your goal celebrations, <laughs> and they throw you back in when the ball gets kicked off again. I mean, that's basically what... Anyway, I don't... Yeah. I don't. Joel, Joel, Joel. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. Olympiakos, how yeah. are you feeling? Do you think... It, it's on a knife edge, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm absolutely 50-50. I yeah. think if we can squeeze a start out of Walcott, I'd fancy it a little bit more. I think perhaps foolishly and optimistically i th this is huge for olympiakos and um yeah. i think we should be piling the pressure on uh with the sound bites and they they cannot have expected to be in this position 
And actually for them, I think it would almost be preferable for them to need to beat us um, to go through because uh, yeah. then you really know what you're doing. But they're, they're on the cusp of something huge. And when they got drawn in a group with Arsenal and Bayern Munich, they, you know, they must have just thought, well, this is, you know, this is a, a lost cause. And now all of a sudden they're in with a great, great chance at home in front of their own supporters. Um, I, you know, looking at the construct of their squad, do they have players who've been in this kind of position many times before? Um, doesn't look like it. So I, I think as long as we don't, I think for the first 10 to 15 minutes, when you're in a situation like Olympiacos are, you can play with a bit of freedom and think, right, if we can get a goal ahead, we can really, you know, come close to finishing this. <clears throat> if we can ride that 10 to 15 minutes without conceding and the game settles into a pattern, um, I think we can make them really, really nervous. Um and, you know, whether we've got enough to move them around, I'm not sure. Uh, I, well, I think we have, but how we keep the back door closed, you know, might well decide the tie, really. And I, I have a hunch and I really hope that I'm right that Olympiacos just have little to no adventure because of the enormity of what's ahead of them mm. um, and that it, it kind of plays on them a little bit because I think we are going to we're going to have to leave gaps and we will leave gaps because we're Arsenal we'd do it whether we need to win by two goals or not but in in many ways this this is a situation that you know Arsenal are a team that loves to attack so if you go and tell them you've got to win a game by two goals I don't think it changes much for them yeah um, I think Arsenal are a team that wants to win every game by at least two goals does this change things for Olympiacos? I think it probably does. Um, they can't, uh, particularly with their domestic dominance, they can't often be in a position of what we have, we hold. I imagine that would be quite new for them. And, you know, this isn't, this is, they're on the cusp of, you know, um, without wishing to be too patronising because they're obviously a very decorated club that won a lot, but this is, this will be history for them. Um, and so I, I really hope that that plays on their mind. And if I were Arsene Wenger in my pre-match press conference, I'd be um, I'd be playing that up quite a lot. Um, I think it's 50-50 whether we do it or not. Mm. A couple of weeks ago, I was convinced, but you lose Sanchez. Yeah. I think that's a big, big loss. Um, so, yeah, and, and maybe, you know, maybe it's just our time <laughs> for, yeah. for the Europa League. We've, we've avoided this situation for so, so long. Maybe and and everyone else has happened to everyone else, every other English team that's been in Europe. So it's probably um, the karma for all the ripping we've done on Spurs <laughs> for yeah. a couple, yeah. couple of decades Mate. of 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 needling them every, every Thursday night. Is it has yeah. to happen to us eventually? Yeah, exactly. But that said, um, you know, are Arsenal even with their current squad capable of beating Olympiacos by two goals? Absolutely, absolutely, they are. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so we'll, we'll see, but it's, you know, obviously it's not an ideal situation and one that you can absolutely certainly say, yeah, we're definitely going to do this. It just depends on a lot of factors, some of which revolve around us, some of which, which don't. Um, but I, I'm, I'm a flip a coin basically. Yeah. Good summary for, to set us up for the game. Here's what Ozil said on the Olympiacos game, blah, blah, blah. They can play good football. We saw that in the first match. Uh, they'll want to play in the counter-attack, but we can't concede goals like we did again. Uh, 
we have to be good in defense. If they score a goal, then we have to score three. Okay. We know that we have a lot of quality up front. Well, depending on what our lineup is, we will have. This aim, mm. The aim is to go in ahead at halftime, and then we know everything is possible. So Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. If, if we're... If we're one 0 up at half time, I'd be I'd be very confident because then we can just come out, play our game very normally, very naturally. If we have to really go chasing it a bit, then you know that's kind of that's chaos factor yeah. right there. Um, you know, it goes without saying that an early goal would would absolutely set this up and and I think hopefully relax us and put the fear of God into Olympiacos. But you know, by that token, if we go one 0 down early, yeah. I like <laughs> If we go one nil down early, then you know it it could create the absolute opposite. So yeah. um, I think it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be close. I don't think we're going to be beating them comfortably by four or five or anything like that. Um, I think with fifteen to twenty minutes to go, it's going to be in the balance. And what happens there really is anybody's guess. Yeah, it's never dull at the Arsenal. Nope. <laughs> anyway, great stuff. Uh, enjoy that. So, uh, around this time, Elliot would be saying stuff about reviews and give us five stars. And he doesn't care if you think we're <laughs> shit, but just give us five stars. And Indeed. You can block Elliot at whatever it is you can block him at. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Anyway, Tim, really enjoyed it. Thank you very much for uh, for helping out today. And Absolute uh, pleasure. Uh, let's hope it's a cracker and we get the result at Olympiacos and we can have a fun podcast at the end of that. Thanks very much, Tim. Definitely. Cheers. Take care. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-Month Emergency Food Kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com